Thanks for checking out this Church in the City podcast. For more information, please visit www.churchinthecity.us. Happy New Year, everybody. I see some visiting faces, some faces that sometimes visit. Good to see you guys. Welcome back. Um, Man, New Year, 2015. Lots of new stuff going on. We'll touch on that in a little bit. I'm excited. I'm excited to be into another year and for us as a church family to be into another year together. Uh, Stephen Debs, Sudworth, send their love. They uh, have one more day of vacation uh, and they will be back next Sunday. Stephen Debs um, have the privilege of leading our team of elders that leads this church. So they're not here this week, but they will. They're ready and raring to go next Sunday, so they're anxious to get back. Uh, my family's here uh, visiting from Jacksonville, Florida, Nashville, Tennessee, a whole bunch of cool places. So it's been a great uh, holiday season for us. I hope it's been for you. Uh, we've had 10 people in our Humboldt Park apartment. It's been awesome. This is the most space I've seen. No, just kidding. Um, we... We finished 2014, if you remember, with our, with our awesome Peacemaker series, where we reminded ourselves uh, that as far as Jesus goes, his law is love and his gospel is peace. And we reminded our hearts as, as a body of the full amazingness of Jesus Christ being the only peacemaker between us and God the Father, and also the full amazingness of us being the bringers of peace uh, in the name of Jesus to one another. And Nate spoke so well about us incarnating ourselves as Jesus did with us to be the bringers of peace culturally, nationally, relationally, socially, for the sake of and through the gospel of Jesus. That the gospel of Jesus is central to the peacemaking heart of the Father. So a new year is here. Uh, New Year is always exciting. I want to set a little bit of vision for our year, for our our teaching year together, what we're going to be studying together as a body. Um, But I I tend to get a little overexcited about things, so I've had to work on keeping things simple. I'll give you an example of me being a little overexcited. I'm 33 now, but I once was a senior in high school, uh, class of 2000. Anybody? Anybody? Danielle Dykert, everyone. Class of 2000. Um, There was... My, my high school schedule that I kept kind of went like this. Wake up around 5 in the morning and uh, do a little bit of studying, go to school, uh, get home around 2 in the afternoon, sleep till like 7, and then stay up really late uh, till about 2 or whatever, and then sleep till 5 and do it all again, <laughs> just like everybody, Right. So this one morning, I, um, I was sleeping really well, <laughs> and I didn't hear my alarm, and all of a sudden, I opened my eyes, and this has happened to all of us, I know, you kind of, before you even look at the clock, you just know. You know what I mean? You're just like, feels later than it should. And I glanced over, and instead of 5 o'clock, it said 7 o'clock. I had class in 15 minutes. Now, I grew up a suburban kid, so I drove to high school, you know. I had an 85 Bonneville with an analog clock on the dash. It was sweet. Uh, it was gold, <laughs> brown, but we'll say gold. Uh, so I woke up, I, I turn, I see the clock, it's 7 o'clock, not 5 o'clock. I'm like, shoot. So I just run t- towards the door in my room. I didn't take the time to realize that actually my right arm had fallen asleep. Um, yeah, <laughs> already gets what's going on. So 
as I get to the door, Brain sends the message to Right Arm, open the door. Right Arm says, actually, I'm still asleep. Face hits the door. <laughs> so that's, I just, I'm excited about 2015. But one of the things that I think we need to do as a body, as we get excited for 2015 and have vision for what God is doing with us, is we need to take a minute, and I want to do this today, and we need to have a reminder to our hearts as to what we are settled on. Let's make sure no limbs are asleep. Let's make sure that we're waking up on time, and let's get foundational things straight, and then let's jump into the vision of what God has for this body with excitement and full commitment and joy. There really is a sense of the Lord moving in a mighty way amongst our body. Would you agree? I think I was celebrating so much just all the things that the Lord is doing in, in church in the city, in the people of church in the city. I think my favorite Sunday of all last year was the Sunday of Thanksgiving where we just had people come up and share testimonies. Uh, of what they had persevered through, the amazing, unforeseen blessings that God had been pouring out, his faithfulness, and just the ways we got to celebrate that as a family. And that was only six people. And it just got me thinking, man, I just worship you, Lord, for the things that you're doing in our family. Uh, a real sense of God speaking to us more clearly, a real sense of us together, uh, both on Sundays and on Wednesday nights at our prayer times. I really encourage you to be there. Just the Lord is faithful to speak. And I'm just excited because we as a leadership, and I hope you feel this as well, really sense that this is a very pregnant time, to be honest with you, for our church. That the Lord is doing things and birthing things uh, afresh. Um, And so I'm just expectant and excited. So it kind of begs the question, going into 2015, how do we respond? You know, we do need to be sure of foundational things. But I also want to cast a little bit of vision for what we want to do ourselves as a body this year. We're going to be studying some really exciting parts of Scripture this year, corporately, on Sundays. Uh, Next Sunday, we're going to start a series through the Gospel of John. Uh, I know we've been telling you about called The Way to the Father. And so we're going to center it around Jesus' heart to reveal God the Father. And in John 14, 9, we'll look at it in in a a few minutes, where Jesus says to Philip, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How awesome is that? The Son of God coming to reveal the Father's heart to us. We're also going to spend time in Jonah. Old Testament. I just, we just loved studying the life of David, and we were in Ruth last year as well. And I just cannot wait to be in Jonah as well. We're going to look at some exciting themes together, some practical truths about Jesus being Lord, and how that intersects with our lives practically, answering some very practical questions. We're doing that in the coming year. And we're also going to be studying how we as a people can be more intentional about incarnating ourselves as peacemakers right here in this city, in this nation. How we as bringers of the gospel of Jesus can do that more effectively and more in line with the heart of the Father. Bringing, you know, that on earth as it is in heaven-ness to our city. Exciting? Stick around, stay tuned. Previously on Church in the City. No. That's, uh, we we have, uh, you know, exciting things to study in 2015. But it's all, I think, centered around a couple of understandings. And one one of the things that the Lord, I think, has really laid on the heart of, of of our family is this phrase, fulfilling the great commission by obeying the greatest commandment. Everything that we want to be about as a family hangs off 
of this statement. The Great Commission, of course, uh, I'm sure most of you are familiar with it in Matthew 28, starting verse 18. It says, Jesus came to them, his disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. That commission of making disciples, of sharing the gospel, of bringing people into relationship with Jesus, into relationship with Jesus as Lord, by, by obeying the greatest commandment in Matthew chapter 22. Let's start at uh, verse 35. Speaking of the Pharisees, it says, One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus, him, with this, with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus gives him two for one. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang off of these two commandments. Fulfilling the great commission by obeying the greatest commandment. I feel like that's a visionary thing for our hearts to hold on to this year. So for the sake of the gospel, making disciples of Jesus by relentlessly focusing on loving God and loving our neighbor as ourself. So how do we envision our hearts for this journey together? I think there are lots, lots of commissions we can hold on to. There's lots of commandments. Uh, there's lots of things that we can focus on. But to give, for someone to give the great commission and for someone to give the greatest commandment, to do that, someone has to be one thing. They have to be Lord. They have to have all the authority. Would you agree? Yeah? For someone to give life-altering, life-defining, identity-moving commission and commandment, that person cannot be a best buddy. That person has to be Lord. So today, I would like us to remind our hearts of the perfect lordship of Jesus Christ to set the tone for our year. Is that all right? If I just do that? I want to keep it simple. We are going to, we are going to do a flyover of theologi- some theological things that we could dive into and chew on it for hours and hours and days and days and days. We're not going to do that. We're going to touch on them, but we're going to keep turning it back very quickly and very simply to Jesus is Lord. His lordship is perfect. We're going to be preaching this to our hearts all year. And I want to invite us as a body to make our hearts intentional again about the perfect lordship of Jesus. To live intently in the truth that Jesus is Lord and his lordship is perfect. Perfect lordship of Jesus. So can I pray for us for that? And then we can look at a few, few things pertaining to that. Lord, Jesus, I thank you so much that your word is clear. You are the head of your church. You are the head of your church. And we say, Jesus, you're the head of church in the city. You have our hearts. We are, we are at your command. And I thank you, Lord, for your perfect lordship. And I, I just pray, Lord, in a very simple way that you would win hearts to that this morning. That you would win, win over my heart. Win over the hearts of us as a church family, individually and corporately. That my words would fall away. And that the clear picture 
of you as Lord Jesus would stay and make a home in our heart. In your name we pray. Amen. So let's take a uh, look at a couple of aspects, uh, a few aspects that I'm excited about, about the Lordship of Jesus. First of all, the Lordship of Jesus, if we're going to settle this, we have to know that the Lordship of Jesus is perfect in his authority. It's perfect in his authority. It's full authority. Again, this is simple, but it's theologically rich, and I'm, I'm not going to dive very deep. We're just going to skim it. But, when, but Jesus is the one who actually gets to make the statement, as we saw in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I can't make that statement. But Jesus can. All authority. Well, why? Well, let's turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. The very first words in the book of Hebrews. I love this because the author of Hebrews sets out to sort of begin to paint a picture of the the superiority of Jesus. Let's read it together, starting in verse 1. It says, In the past... God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Just throw that in there. Just made the universe through the Son. Verse 3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And so he became as much superior to the angels even as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. There's something about the nature of Jesus that makes his name superior. That's an uncomfortable word. I know it is for something to be superior. So we'll only use it today because it's true. (laughs) Jesus is superior. The reason behind it is Jesus is and always has been fully God. I mean, look at the things that it speaks of the son, Jesus Christ. Uh, It says, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins. The son sat down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. These are not things that an ungod individual can do. Jesus Christ is fully God. The son is the fullness of the deity. So the track, the track of Jesus, of his of his existence, if you will, is, is amazing to me. We start off with, you know how we always think of eternity and forever? We think of it going on and on and on from where we are now. Well, eternity also goes past and past and past and past and past, right? Jesus, we know from John 1, has always been God. The Word was God and the Word was with God forever. That way. We'll get to this way in a second. But Jesus has always been God. Steve, next week, is going to preach, as we begin our series on John, uh, in, in John, on the eternalness of Jesus. And then we know from Philippians 2, where it speaks about how Jesus became, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but instead took a human form. We see that the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, becomes human. It's what we just celebrated at Christmas and reminded our hearts of. 
I just, I just spoke of deity becoming human. Unbelievable. And he humbled himself even to the point of death. So we know from Romans 5 where it says, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we've got eternal holy God incarnated as human man dead on a cross. That's already quite a, a distance we've traveled. And God the Father saw fit to raise him from the dead to conquer death. Then, fully alive, fully human, fully God Christ ascends into heaven, seated at the right hand of majesty, as we just saw from Hebrews 1, with the superior name over all things. And then we're back to where we were, eternal, always God. That is an amazing authority. There's no doubt about the authority and the superiority, the preeminence of the name of Jesus. Perfect authority. Perfect worthiness. It's why you and I can sing to him, you are Lord. You're worthy. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Perfect lordship. All deserving of all worship. Perfectly contained in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord. It's an, incredible, it's an incredibly meaningful statement that I don't want us to just throw away. Jesus is Lord and his lordship is perfect in his authority. So, if you're like me, I, I think, we can, I think there's, that's accessible to kind of celebrate. Jesus is Lord. That's awesome. That's great. But there's something about the, that that I fear has a dark side. And I, 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 if you're like me, you cringe a little bit at the idea of absolute things, <laughs> of absolute authority things, at lordship things. See, I think you and I would probably agree that I'm, uh, I'm really happy with Jesus as my Savior. I really am. <laughs> I really don't have a lot of problems with Jesus being peacemaker between me and God the Father. And now, even though I was due eternal separation from God, I'm not anymore. And I, instead, I've inherited full presence of God forever, now and through eternity in heaven. I'm cool with that. <laughs> with Jesus as Savior, I think probably most people are. But there's something that I balk at about Jesus as Lord, the kind of full authority that we just talked about, because it's an unquestionable authority. But the Lordship of Jesus is actually perfect in his goodness. And that's a good thing, because absolute things, absolute Lordship things, they have effect in our lives. And, and sometimes... I sort of prefer to keep them in the realm of, I don't really understand that. I don't want to touch that. I don't really want to dig into that because it's kind of, it's, it's absolute and it potentially has a dark side. But the lordship of Jesus is clear. So don't worry if while we were talking about the fullness of his authority that it was pretty understandable because it is, it is clear. <laughs> it's a clear authority. Now, absolute lordship, as we just mentioned, is the scariest kind and in fact, I think there's something in our personal DNA that makes us want to throw it off or at least be suspicious of it or kind of have a little fun rebelling against absolute authority. In fact, I would argue there's, we in this nation have a national history and heritage of throwing off what we feel is misplaced absolute authority. Would you agree? We've never had a king. We came, this nation was birthed out of, we don't want a king. It's still a part of who we are. 
It's still a part of us recognizing absolute authority and saying, I'm not comfortable with that because I'm suspicious of it and I'm actually going to get my kicks out of rebelling against it. And that in and of itself as a heart, I'm not arguing is a bad thing because the only absolute lordship we experience here on earth is absolute human lordship and that is fallen (laughs) and it does lead to oppression and suffering and all the things that we fear and tyranny the things that we want to throw off because all power consolidated in one human place is a recipe for that so we're not crazy to say i'm not comfortable with that (laughs) maybe some of you have experienced oppressive authority maybe you've experienced it from the church or from someone in the church And I'm not making light of that. I certainly have. But abusive lordship from a person doesn't mean all lordship is abusive. And abusive lordship, even from someone doing it in the name of the church or in the name of Jesus, doesn't mean that Jesus is abusive. It means that person is abusive. I want us to to take an invitation to re-see the goodness of the lordship of Jesus. Not through the scope of human lordship or human authority, but through the truth of his goodness. Because whoever is Lord gets to make the decisions, right? (laughs) Whoever is Lord has the perfect authority, gets to set the tone and make the calls and exercise their prerogative. And, And things already have lordship in our lives, don't they? Whether we admit it or not. Two weeks ago, uh, I really appreciated the picture that Nate drew of the first century believer in Jesus and the, the boldness and the danger that was present in making the statement, Jesus is Lord. Because in that context, that was a statement of political insurrection. To say Jesus is Lord in the Roman Empire means Caesar isn't. <laughs> to, say Jesus, to say Jesus is king there means Rome isn't. Because lordship is exclusive. Lordship is exclusive. If something is lord, something else is not. They can't be half. They can't be co. (laughs) Lordship is a zero-sum game. Now, here in our context, we don't have a Caesar breathing down our necks who's upset with us for saying Jesus is lord politically. We almost have a more insipid foe in the sense that we have unspoken things, people, thoughts, rules, desires that take a lordship place in our lives, right? I would, I would characterize it by saying the, the, it's the complacency of the dominant course of things. That if we're not careful, we just choose to, to go along with the going on, with the going on, with the going on, with the going on, with the going on. It's the lordship of our lives that just happens. Lordship takes control of a vacuum. If we're not intentional about who is Lord of our lives, something will be Lord of our lives. Because Lordship is exclusive. It's a zero-sum game. So the statement, Jesus is Lord, for us, is a statement of heart insurrection. It's a statement of insurrection at the status quo of our being and our decisions. Because if Jesus is Lord over my life... In his perfect authority, other things can't be. It's that zero-sum game again. So it's a good thing that Jesus' lordship is perfect in his goodness. He's not an oppressive lord. 
but he's a good and loving Lord. And again, there's a myriad of scriptures that we could go through to, to illustrate this to ourselves, but I just want to look at two together. You don't have to turn there, but the first is in John 10. In John 10, verses 10 and 11, Chris already referenced this uh, uh, earlier in our service, where he said, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And then Jesus says something amazing. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It would be great if Jesus had just stopped with, I'm the good shepherd. Oh, that is awesome. Man, Jesus is a good shepherd. I get that picture. It's great. You know, he's probably really good and he's going to protect me. And that's really wonderful. And then he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's a good Lord. That's a loving Lord. That's not an abusive Lord. In Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, again, don't turn there, but I know you're familiar with it probably. He, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And listen to how he describes himself. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is an absolute Lord. This is, a, this is, this is, this is the fullness of God with the absolute prerogative of lordship. And what does he say? I'm the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life. I'm gentle and humble in heart. Come to me. Find rest. Come to me. Find rest. Because my lordship is not only perfect in my authority, my lordship is perfect in my goodness. Remember Philippians 2? Jesus not not considering equality with with God something to be held on to, but instead humbled himself to the obedience of a servant, even unto death. And Romans 5, where, where... God demonstrated his love for us and that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. This is a good Lord. Lordship does mean absolute rule, but with Jesus, it actually means absolute goodness too. There isn't a dark side to the Lordship of Jesus like there is with human Lordship. That's exciting. I'm starting to warm up to the idea of the Lordship of Jesus as I am with the Saviorship of Jesus. You see, that same Jesus who says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me is the same Jesus who says, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. That's a good Lord. It's a good Lord, and that's good news. So with perfect authority, Jesus has the prerogative to make the call. And with perfect goodness, he is a Lord that we can fully and willingly give the fullness of our hearts to. So if those things are true, it kind of begs a question for us individually and as a church in the city family, and that is, what is Jesus about? What's important to Jesus? If he's Lord and he makes the call, and he's good and he lays down his life for the sheep, what is Jesus about? Well, the lordship of Jesus is clear in his priorities. Again, there's so many things we could look at here, but I'm just thankful that this that what Jesus is about and what's important to Jesus doesn't have to be a mystery to us. How many of you have ever uh, been under someone's authority and what they wanted is a mystery? (laughs) 
that's like an impossible situation. <laughs> you want to be responsive and humble and submissive and, and, and honoring to the authority, but what do they want? It's impossible. Well, Jesus, the lordship of Jesus is not that way. Jesus has some clear priorities, some clear things that are important to him. Uh, let's, just take a look, let's just take a look at a few. I'll list a few for you, and, and we'll look at some uh, places in Scripture that I think are where Jesus makes this clear. The first, I think he says, a priority of Jesus is revealing and glorifying God the Father. We're going to study this up and down the Gospel of John over the next few months. Revealing and glorifying God the Father. I mentioned this before in John 14, 9. Jesus says to Philip, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. Hebrews 1 is the full radiance, the full picture of the deity, fully God. And later on in that chapter, Jesus says, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He's not just a walking picture of the Father. He's a walking picture of the Father that gives glory to the Father. Jesus is about, one of, it's important to Jesus, it's important to the perfect Lord of us that the Father is revealed and glorified. That's good to know. There's no wishy-washiness as what, what is this Lord about. Something else, I, Jesus is clearly from Scripture to me, he's about bringing salvation to those who have not placed faith in him as Savior and Lord. Luke 19.10, you don't have to turn there, it says, The Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. It's Jesus saying, I am here to do this. I wish it was more complicated. (laughs) It'd be more fun to try to find points to preach on about it, but it's pretty clear. In Romans 6.23, the Apostle Paul writes, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Son is about bringing salvation. Revealing and glorifying the Father. Bringing salvation to those who have not placed their faith in Jesus Christ as as Savior and as Lord. Jesus is also about bringing the happenings of heaven to earth. In what we commonly know as the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, Jesus, Jesus even prays, Your will be done, Father, on earth as it is in heaven. And we see that Jesus not only prayed that, but he brought action to that. Everywhere he went. There is salvation, but it's also healing and wholeness. Restoration and freedom, peace and justice to the glory of God the Father. This is why Jesus went about miracles. This is why he promised us the Holy Spirit. It's not waiting for heaven to see heaven's characteristics. Not waiting for heaven to see heaven's effect. But something of this heaven on earth. That's an importance to our Lord. And should be an importance to us. And lastly, of just what I'll say right now, even though there's a million of other things that we could look at in Scripture, the, the perfect lordship of Jesus is, is about making disciples who bear his signature. And I think the signature of Jesus takes two real key things. One is obedience and one is love. In Matthew 28, 20, in, the, in that great commission, Jesus says, teaching them, you're making disciples and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. It's that core of obedience. And in John 13, 35, Jesus says, by this, everyone you'll know that you're my disciples if you love one another. 
obedience and love. But the son is about making disciples who bear his signature. Right? The lordship priorities of Jesus are about the increase of his lordship. (laughs) The lordship priorities of Jesus are about the increase of his lordship. And can I just say something really quick for free? You know how we throw around the phrase kingdom, kingdom this, or that's, we want to be a kingdom people, or that, uh, this, 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 you know, we're doing, you know how we, we say that? And you know how that kind of becomes a buzzword, and kind of we all say it, and nobody really knows what it means? Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, maybe it's just me. <laughs> Elder in the church, not knowing, I'm kidding. Can I just say that the phrase kingdom, kingdom this, kingdom that, kingdom simply means submitting to the priorities of the lordship of Jesus. Being about what Jesus is about. That's kingdom. Yeah? Because the lordship of Jesus, his pri- the priorities of the lordship of Jesus are about the increase of the lordship of Jesus. So when we are a kingdom people, we are saying we want our priorities to be in line with the priorities of Jesus. And we need to bring ourselves in line with that, submitting to his lordship. And that is a kingdom people. You know? Perfect authority, perfect goodness, and I'm about his priorities. That's in line with his kingdom. And just to encourage you, I know I'm stopping short of a lot of other things in Scripture that we could dive into to illustrate each of these lordship aspects of Jesus. Don't just come on Sundays and, and if, if, sorry, if, if we spend 2015 just coming here on Sundays to hear these tidbits, man, we're going to miss it. Take the time. The priorities of the Lordship of Jesus are right here. (laughs) And they're clear. They're not hidden. So just to encourage you, take the time. We don't have a a church model of of priest who knows everything and parishioner who just gets what is said. No, you can take the time to to get in the word. And we should as, as individuals and say, man, Lord, what are your priorities? What are you about? Perfect authority, perfect in your goodness. What are your priorities? I want to know what you're about. And it's there and it's clear. So if the kingdom is what Jesus is about, and we're demystifying it to say it's just his priorities, I I think we need to prioritize how we can be about it with him because he's Lord. And the last thing I want to say is the lordship of Jesus is intentional in his partnership with us. The lordship of Jesus is intentional in his partnership with us. This is a, this is a, I love this wrinkle of the lordship of Jesus because when we hear lordship, I think rightfully so, we can, we can think about a distance. Lord really doesn't have to interact that much with the people he has lordship over, and that's not the operation of Jesus. He's an intentional about his partnership with us for what is important to him, the advancing of his kingdom. You know, back in Matthew 11, when we, in verse 28, where Jesus makes that statement about rest, come to me, all you who are weary. We love that passage, and rightfully so. We, we, we love it for the picture that it paints of Jesus saying, come, come, unburden. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. But, but let's read it and not miss that it's also a statement of partnership. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. 
This is an agricultural picture that Jesus is painting. When that yoke is on the ox, it's for a purpose. It's for a task. It's for the accomplishing of a purpose. And Jesus isn't saying, come to me and kick back, and that's how you get rest with a Mai Tai. Although, I mean, nothing against Mai Tai. I'm kidding. (laughs) Jesus is saying, put my yoke on you. Why? Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we have a partnership in the advancing of my kingdom. It is a statement of rest, but it's a statement of rest in partnership. A Lord who gives a commission to his people and is with his people to the very end of the age is a Lord who wants partnership. A Lord who gives commissions and commandments to his people and says, I'll check back with you in a few millennium, that's not a Lord we serve. But it's an amazing thing that Jesus says to his disciples, go and make disciples. All authority has been given to me, full lordship, and I'm with you to the very end of the age. And that feeling you just felt is actually rest. (laughs) Because he's with us. Come to me. Take my yoke. And there's rest. A Lord who is a good shepherd is a Lord whose priorities I can submit to fully with faith even when I can't dot every line and and picture the fullness of it a good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep is a Lord that I can say okay I am with you in your priorities everything about my family my resources my time gifts circumstances everything I can submit to your priorities Because a good shepherd has a great inheritance for his sheep. And that's why we can take on the wonderful adventure of submitting everything to Jesus' lordship. And the unending freedom of obeying Jesus as his disciples who are about his kingdom. Not buzzword, but his priorities. Because he's a good shepherd. So, as we go into 2015... If we, if we don't recognize the perfect lordship of Jesus and settle that in our hearts, we're going to run into the door with our arm asleep. <laughs> I don't recommend it. But if we say, Lord, Jesus, your lordship is perfect. Your lordship is perfect for me as an individual, for my family, for this church body. You're the head of this church. Man, what a position <laughs> to hear from the Lord and to say yes. That's what I'm excited about. For 2015. I want to invite Nate to, to come back up. You know, we, we have a standing invitation from Jesus to live intentionally in the truth that he is Lord of all. And he is. And I, I just want you to know that as, as the leadership and eldership of this church, that is the top cry of our heart. To live in response to the Lordship of Jesus. Everything else is submitted to that. So, I just want to invite us to ask ourselves right now, how can we live intentionally in response to Jesus' lordship? I I don't want to get into specifics of what I think the Lord is saying to hearts in the room, although I think he is saying specific things to hearts in the room. And I would would encourage us not not to shut that down. But I am sure that we can have a response as a body now, and that is to just worship declaring the lordship of Jesus. To worship from that place that just says, your lordship is perfect in your authority. 
Your lordship is perfect in your goodness. Your lordship is clear in your priorities, and it's intentional in its partnership. And I just want to sit here and say, my response to that right now is worshiping you, Jesus, as Lord. As Lord. So can we, can we do that for a few moments? Can we stand? Can we just do that as a body? And if there's other responses uh, that the Lord is, is, is bringing to mind in your heart, don't shut that down. Pray into that. Receive that. Write that down. Think on that. But as a body now, just to stand and say, Jesus, first on the ledger in 2015, you are 